culture no longer means like a ping pong table and beer at four o'clock on Fridays, right? Culture now means a place that I can show up and be myself and be respected no matter what other I'm coming from. My name is Linda Laurel, and I'm asking you to have the courage to listen with an open mind to all of our voices because our voices matter. I want to take a moment to thank BMW of West Houston for sponsoring this episode of our Voices Matter podcast. BMW, of course, is known as the ultimate driving machine because of its precision and power. As someone who has driven a BMW for many years now, I can attest to that firsthand. But I think what's even more important, especially about this particular BMW dealership, is that it understands the power and the impact of giving back to its community. BMW of West Houston is known for its support of countless local charities, and that is important to us here at Our Voices Matter podcast. So if you choose to do business with BMW of West Houston, not only will you be getting the stellar first-class service that the dealership is known for, but you can also rest assured that you are doing business with a dealership that truly cares about and gives back to its community. Hi, everybody. It's Linda Laurel, and this is our Voices Matter podcast. If you are a young person just about to enter the workforce, or if you are the parent of a young person about to enter the workforce, this episode is most definitely for you. My guest today is Ali Danziger, founder and CEO of a company called Ampersand. It's all about paid internships and connecting the young people with the businesses who want and need to hire them. Ali herself is a dynamo. She's young, she's engaging, she's smart, and she is driven to use her personal experiences to help young people make the best of entering the workforce today. Can't wait for you to enjoy this conversation with Allie Danziger. Allie, it is so great to have you on Our Voices Matter podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to to chat with you. Okay. Well, let's start by um, telling our audience just um, a little bit of a snapshot of what Ampersand is and what you guys do. And then I want to know a little more about your backstory. So tell our audience exactly what Ampersand does. Yeah, we are an internship, recruiting, training, and assessment platform. And so what that means is we upskill young professionals. We train them on everything they need to know to get and excel in their first internship. Things like how to send a calendar invite, how to talk to your manager, how to take notes in a meeting. I can go into a lot more depth on that. And then as they complete that training, we then match them with paid internship opportunities. Uh, so we work with businesses to help them hire basically pre-trained, vetted, curated talent. And then all of that, we work with uh, universities to help support their career services and license the platform to them. 
Okay, so you come to this space with your own experience in internships as you were starting your first company uh, before you started that first company. So let's back up a little bit and give us a snapshot of the, the trajectory of how you started off and, and how you got to where you are now. So where'd you grow up? What, what was Young Alley like? Oh, like from the very beginning. Okay, got it. Um, so Young Alley, I'm from Houston. Uh, Born, you know, born and raised here. I loved it. I um, started working when I was 16 years old. Like that was the deal to get a car with my parents and kind of caught that entrepreneurial bug from day one, whether I realized it or not. I was working for a kid's bookstore uh, called Children's Chapters in Meyerland that I love dearly. Um, and actually like a couple weeks into that job, um, I noticed an opportunity to have um, birthday parties. They were kind of doing it, but like took over the whole, at 16 years old, I like took over the whole birthday party initiative. I would dress up in costumes, read a book to kids, coordinate a cake that was on theme with the book that the family had chosen and, wow. and kind of like started this little birthday party thing within the, the bookstore. So that was kind of my first entrepreneurial venture. Um, then I was making jewelry boxes for a local jewelry designer that was sold at Neiman's and Saks, um, going to Hobby Lobby, like buying the boxes in bulk, learning calligraphy and making up her logo. Oh, was this so just all you or did your, were your parents entrepreneurs or did you just have this bug in you somehow? I had this bug in me. My parents are not entrepreneurs, but they are the biggest supporters of, of all my crazy antics, driving me to Hobby Lobby at you know eleven o'clock at night to to buy the calligraphy pen or whatever. So they've always been supportive, always have been so encouraging that you know there's no limit to what me or my sister could do. Uh, which is that I mean now that I'm a mom is kind of the backbone yeah. of of who I became. Um, I went. All through school, uh, at all through my university years, I interned from like worked the whole time. So my first, not my first semester freshman year, but sorry, my second semester freshman year had incredible internship opportunities. Um, and I just loved working always. But those internship opportunities really led me to then go work, start my career in New York right after graduation. I had had eight internships at that point. So, you know, had definitely like earned my chops, I guess, uh, and started working for a PR agency based in New York. Um, within six months of that job, the market crashed and the company laid off half of its staff. I luckily got, you know, did not get laid off, even though it felt like, you know, you hear the last one in, first one out. That's not the way that my boss went. Uh, and so because of that, we were really short staffed. I thought that I was going to be the next one laid off. Um, so started looking around to see what else was out there and noticed that a lot of companies were doing social media. My, my, this was 2008. And, you know, my agency was not doing anything with social media. And so I went to my boss and I said, you know what, in the next round of layoffs, feel free to lay me off against my parents' <laughs> suggestion. That, that to your and, boss? What were you thinking? I did because I was real. I thought that social media was the next thing, and it felt like oh, that's and, where and that company wasn't doing it, and you didn't think they were going to embrace. That. I didn't think they were going to survive yeah. if they didn't embrace social media, and so um, she offered me the opportunity to start their social media department. I was twenty three years old, wow. um, and so you know, as a business owner now, I don't know that I had any business doing that, but it was an incredible opportunity. She gave me every opportunity to learn, to read every book, to go to every conference, take anyone I wanted to lunch to learn as much as possible. And then I ended up running that department, running the PL, business development. I mean, it just was an incredible opportunity at such a young age. Um, 
in after about six months of doing that, the entrepreneurial bug within me was continued to be ignited. And so I started getting free. I was speaking on all these panels about social media. I mean, 2008, no one, no one knew what social media was about to become. And so here I was young professional um, who had a little bit of knowledge. I mean, more hours spent on it than a lot of other people um, or, you know, people now who are celebrities in the social media space who have written all these books are the people that I was at these conferences with and going to lunch with that they took it on a totally different trajectory than I did. But, um, you know, I, I was speaking on all these panels. I was getting opportunities for freelance work. Long story short, I ended up using all my sick and vacation days for my freelance work. And so I had was faced with that moment of, do I do this or not? This was like before gig work and, you know, people were, were doing all the side hustles. And so decided to quit my job and see if I had what it takes to, to do my own thing full time and uh, moved back to Houston because it's cheaper here and more support system around me. Um, and that became my previous company, Integrate. I'm giving the very long no, version of the story, I, I, but you asked I, me because like- Because I think that there's, there's so much value in hearing, especially for young people who are entering the job market now, to, to see what someone's yeah. trajectory is, because everybody's experience is different. Um, and they might hear something right. in your story that resonates. So that's why I, I, I yeah. like to you know really hear what that journey has been like. So you started Integrate. So I started Integrate in when I was okay. in 2009. Okay. I was 24, wow. um, and it was it was really one of the it was I think one of the first social media agencies in Texas. Um, we no one else was doing it. Um, I was teaching these companies what social media was, let alone how to do it. You know, I mean, I remember in those early days, and it, uh, some of it was the right place at the right time. You know, just be like, there's plenty of ag incredible agencies in Houston, um, but they weren't really doing social media. And there was just this believability from a young person who is 24, who eats and breathes social media, to come in and support the company in in creating the strategy and then the implementation on social media. So. We grew quickly um, and, you know, it was growing a service-based business is kind of like you get a client, you hire more people, you get more clients, you hire more people, you get bigger space, you hire more people. And so it just was that for um, the first couple of years, Put a, then really started putting a business plan together and what our strategy was going to look like, continued growing, continued developing um, like service specialties and figuring, really paying attention to the way that the industry continued to change. Throughout all of that, my talent acquisition strategy was always hiring interns. As I reflect back on it, it probably a little bit was because I was 24 and didn't feel comfortable hiring people much older than me at the beginning. Well, but then so it just young, became part only, of our culture. Only people and younger than you were coming out of college or in college, right? I love it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then I just fell in love with that concept of hiring them right out of college, teaching them my ways, them you know, immediately understanding our culture and not having to train other companies habits, you know, or train away other companies habits. Um, and they stayed so much longer. They were so much more loyal to me. And it, I just always liked that, that path. And that is what ultimately ended up leading me to the ampersand path, but I'll keep going with the integrate story. Um, in 2018, I, well, in 2017, I kind of looked around at my company, realized that, um, 
we needed to have more digital services in-house. That's what companies needed. And we tried to kind of like fake it till we made it a little bit, um, trying to hire people who could do digital marketing, trying to outsource it or partner with other agencies. And I was like, this has to be in-house. And I am not the best person at digital marketing or website design and development. I know public relations. I know social media. That's what I know how to train and how to build a culture around. And so long story short, ended up selling the company to a digital marketing agency based out of Austin uh, called Wellington at the time. They ended up adopting the Integrate brand and name. And um, I took over as president. We, I had a co-founder or co-founder and business partner alongside me. Um, and we ran the combined company together. Um, the talent acquisition strategy remained uh, interns throughout all of that. And then in the early part of the pandemic, I'm just known in the community that I hire young people and interns. And so every Friday was basically talking to all these young professionals who had either lost their jobs or internships or were deciding whether or not to go back to school because it was going online. So every Friday I was spending with back-to-back calls with these young professionals, talking to them, you know, they had lost their jobs or internships or were deciding whether or not to go back to college um, and decided to just get on Zoom and start talking to them, teaching them everything I felt like they needed to know to get an Excel in an internship. Because rather than just sitting on their parents' couch, I kept saying, like, get off your parents' couch, go do something valuable. Um, And then I matched them with 10 business owner friends for their internships. And you're like, oh my God, this is a company. (laughs) Exactly. At the end of it, seven out of 10 of those young professionals ended up getting a paying job offer. And all 10 of the business owner friends said that it was the best interns they've ever gotten. So that's when like the wheels started turning, still running things. Yep. I was still running things that integrate, but I felt like there was something to actually create. uh, And that Mm -hmm. became ampersand. Wow. Okay. And then, so that became ampersand and that was what, a couple years ago? That was um, January of 2021. So yeah, a, year, a, year, and a half. year and a half ago. Okay. Yes. And, um, and you just got back from South by Southwest yes. and uh, you had a little bit of an announcement there. So what was that? Well, we rebranded, which was great. Kept the same name, Ampersand, but, you know, just kind of needed to elevate. Uh, We're working with much larger businesses now. We're working with large institutions. And the original logo is beautiful uh, and was created by my co-founder's brother. Loved it. But, you know, just really time to, like, elevate the colors a little bit, make sure that we're really being thoughtful about what we're projecting as a brand um, and able to communicate with all of our stakeholders. to fellow business owners who are listening, we have three audiences that we tar- that we connect with, uh, which, you know, as you can imagine, is very challenging. We talk to universities, we talk to businesses and young professionals. So all very different types of people with different motivations. And so uh, our new branding represents that and our new website will launch uh, any day now. Wow, that's exciting. Well, congratulations. And I mean, it just feels like, you know, your trajectory has gone, wow, straight up. And it's happened really, really fast. Um, But I I know that in anyone's story, there are always challenges along the way. So what would you say have been your biggest challenges and lessons learned as you have uh, charted this this course for for yourself and your your companies? Yeah. I think the biggest challenge that I struggle with outside of time management, because I think 
I think everyone struggles with that, Mm -hmm. is how to get the right people around me and how to stay focused on what my core strengths are. Um, Especially as a, in my first business, like as a young business leader, you want to really, there's a lot of ego in it. And like, you want to prove yourself and you want to show everyone like, I can do everything. But guess what? No one can do everything or else you end up doing nothing. And so really... I've spent a lot of soul searching and a lot of time thinking about like, what am I really good at and letting the ego go of all the things that I'm not good at and surrounding myself with people who are great at those things, who are great, who, who their core strengths are my biggest weaknesses so that together we can collaborate and create something awesome versus trying to do all the things like I'm good at sales. I'm good at talking to people. I'm good at creating the vision and then letting other people like, bring it to life. Right. And so with my past business, it took me a while to get comfortable with that and to really be able to trust people around me. And with Ampersand, I work really hard to stay focused. I have my team call me out when I get off path, off track. And even I'll call them out when like, Hey, why'd you let me come like do this? This is taking the company off track. We, we know that I need to stay really focused on X, Y, and Z if we're going to achieve these incredibly ginormous goals that we have. Uh, and so just having people around that you can trust and who trust you is, is so key. And I think that's been my biggest failure in the past and, and learning. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so before we start getting a little bit deeper into, into more of what Ampersand does and how you're, how you're structuring that with the young people, I want to ask you another more, more of a personal question in terms of any experiences that you've had when you were made to feel like the other. That's always the question that I ask I love our that guests. Question. Yeah. Because, you know, we're all somebody's other at, yeah. at one point or another. And I would imagine that as a young woman, even though, you know, you're, that your challenges are going to be different than maybe a man your age, or maybe a black woman your age, or an, an Asian American woman your age. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm curious as to any instances that come to mind where you were made to feel like the other, yeah. and how, how you dealt with that in the moment, and how that has informed the way not only you move forward in your business, but in how you educate the young people that you are bringing, helping to, to bring into the workforce. Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's a a couple that immediately come to mind, but I'm sure there's plenty Mm -hmm. more, right? Um, Because it happens. Um, The first is starting a company when I was 24. I had, I felt like I had to lie about my age a lot, even though I, I knew what I was talking about and I had the confidence and I had the chops to win the business. I still often, told people that I was older when asked. Um, and so now that the, how that has informed my, my leadership or what I coach and train young professionals on is how to prove yourself as a 23 year old, as a 24 year old, so that you don't have to lie and that you can actually change the stigmas that a young professional might have in the workplace and how to actually have those chops, even if you don't know, you know, the way that things work, how to learn it as quickly as possible so that when you have the great ideas, you can bring them to life and win the business and do the great things that you're capable of at whatever age you might be. So um, that would be number one. And then number two, the second instance that um, really comes to mind with the other is when I sold my business. 
So I was running my business as a female owned business for eight years, completely independently. I had an awesome team around me, but at the end of the day, it was my business. Um, and I sold to a man. Um, and then I had a partner, a man who is big, bigger, like bigger in stature than me. I'm five feet tall. I wear high heels. So people don't always know that I'm so short, but I'm five feet tall. And the man that I sold my business to was like, he played football. It was, I don't know, six, six, like big dude. And I always would tell people, I would speak at colleges, I would speak to groups of women and say like, you know what, it's really not that different like for women. It must be my industry because I I just don't see the other. Well, then I had a business partner and I got to see what changed and how people talked to him versus me uh, and how we would walk in a room together and how people would notice a larger man versus a smaller woman. And it was shocking. And it really, it took it out, like it took my breath away of how, um, how jarring it was in something that I fundamentally believed was not affecting me for so long. And then I quickly realized that it was. And what was what was and is great about my former business partner is he has always surrounded himself with women. And so he is very aware of that dichotomy. And he would actually, when people would, when, when we would be in meetings together and people would address him, they would, he would call them out and say, no, Allie's the one you need to be talking to about this. She's the one leading this meeting. Um, and that was just, it was game changing, frankly. And I respect him so much for doing that. And I think we need to have more, people actually call call people out when they aren't giving the person the respect in the room who needs that respect. And I try as a leader to do the same thing. Like as the CEO, people oftentimes like just direct their focus to me, whether I'm leading the meeting or not. And I try very hard, as I mentioned, to surround myself with people smarter and better than me. So a lot of times I, I'm not leading the meeting. I don't want to lead the meeting. Uh, and so I try to do the same thing of, um, no, no, this is this is Hanson's meeting. This is not my meeting right now. Hanson's mm -hmm. 24, but this is yeah, Hanson's meeting. I, I, um, obviously, I don't say Hanson's 24. But yeah, I think I think that's just really important because it is something that that I experienced, but had a great partner next to me to help. So I, I love so many things about what you said. So you we just got examples of ageism and sexism and the whole idea of what it means to be an ally. So we're having a lot of conversations now in society, in the workplace, about what it means to be an ally. And in, in many cases, that's more in a racial context. But yeah. the basic concept is the same, is that when someone is in a position where they're not the one in power, and you are, and you have the ability to call out something that is not right, that is called being an ally and you just gave incredibly you know helpful examples of what that looks like in a real world situation yeah. so how mm -hmm. do you how do you talk to your interns about that yeah we well we we warn them that this is there is there and real we have an entire module called bias in the workplace um about all all the different biases that exist um, and how to handle it in a responsible and respectful way. Because they, 
don't know who to talk to, right? They don't understand, like, do you talk to your boss? Do you talk to HR? What if it's coming from my boss? What if it's coming from a colleague? What if it's coming from someone who's more junior than me? So we help lay out all of the different um, players, basically, and then give them responsible or ways to handle it both within the workforce. And then if they don't feel comfortable bringing it in, in the office because it's so bad, what the other alternatives are and get share other resources. And a lot of times, I was just, I was just going to say that what came to mind is, you know, if, if you're lucky enough to have an ally in the room who speaks up, that certainly makes the situation better. But what if there is no ally in the room? You know, what do you do then? Yeah. I mean, and that's where you can go to your manager. You can go to someone else. You can go like, you know, cross, leave the department if possible. You know, if it's a large enough company where there's someone else mm-hmm. you can talk to. And if it's something that you're, is just so bad, then that's where it's time to look for another opportunity, right? Like, I mean, there's some cultural systemic issues within companies that have been going on for decades that might not be changing. But guess what? They are starting to pay attention that things need to change because so much of the workforce is walking out the door of companies like that. And when they're going somewhere and they're going to places where there is a great culture and culture no longer means like a ping pong table and beer at four o'clock on Fridays, right? Culture now means a place that I can show up and be myself and be respected no matter what other I'm coming from or whoever I am. And that's what CEOs and leaders are either are having to do or starting to do whether they want to or not, or they're realizing, oh, wow, we must be doing something wrong because we can't keep people in the company anymore. Have you noticed a, um, a, a progression, a change in in corporations over these last couple of years? I mean, since you're really right there and you're you're dealing with interns that are working yeah. in a variety of companies. So what what are you seeing as the trend? we're seeing companies call like the companies that we are working with are the ones who are ready to start making change. They are recognizing that they can't keep recruiting the CEO's neighbor's son to be the intern, that they need to be coming from more diverse backgrounds and that they need to be just opening their eyes to like, Um, You can't just hire like a Harvard grad and expect that they're going to come in, no matter what their racial or gender profile is, they're going to just come in, be ready to work. Um, That 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 does not mean that as much as it once did. Um, And that with all of the fast changing movement happening in companies right now, that you need driven talent, no matter what that comes from. Um, And so... They're, ju- they're open to changing the way that they think about entry-level talent and wanting more diversity, more other, and that they're having to train the managers and the leaders to be more accepting of that as well. And so there's all of this change happening. I mean, um, a lot of times we're talking about like work from home and like that's what Gen Z wants, but Again, it's so much more and deeper than that. It's about communicating. It's about making sure that the employees feel like they are making an impact in the workplace and that and that they matter um, in a meaningful way. But again, as themselves and as who they who they are able to show up as authentically and that that matters and makes an important impact to the company. Because guess what? 
It does. Every single person that you hire is very important to your company. And if not, you shouldn't hire them. Um, and so they are important to you. And it's just about communicating that and recognizing I feel like I'm quite on kind of a, a no, tangent, I, like recognizing like who they are individually uh, and h- how that individuality makes such an impact into the company. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that's a tangent at all. I think that's the, <laughs> that's the whole point, you know, is yeah. that like you just said, you know, if you, if you're not, if, if you're not allowing someone that you hired to come to work as, you know, all of who they are, then why'd you hire them in the first place? Right. Yeah. That. That's. that's and so then communicate that. Like, exactly. show appreciation for who they are, and ex, ex, take the second, the five seconds, to explain to them why they are doing this project for you because of their unique abilities and what they bring to the table, um, and celebrate that. So, what do you do when you run into a situation where um, one of your interns comes back? and says, you know, that they've had a really negative experience. What do you do? So we try to mitigate that uh, throughout the experience so that it doesn't happen, right? Like we're checking in on a regular basis with both parties to make sure that there's, it's not like the end of the semester and then we find out. Um, We have fired two businesses um, because they did not treat their interns with respect. Um, And so, you know, we, both parties like that we're involved. Um, the business wants us involved with the internship to make sure that the talent is good and the talent, the pro- professionals, the interns want us involved to make sure that the experience is good. And so as a marketplace, it's our duty to make sure that that everyone's having a great experience. And um, for the on the business side or on when we've had to let them go, one was that it was just inappropriate tasks that they were asking of them. And the other was just not treating the intern with respect. Uh, and it's it's a, just a guiding principle for us. Uh, we have not yet, but we are we have a protocol ready for um, if the pay is not adequate. Um, but it because it, it is required on our platform that the businesses pay their interns. Um, we focus on underrepresented communities, and I want to make sure that we are giving these young professionals opportunities in the workforce that makes them better prepared for their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important that they're paying, but we have not yet had to kick anyone <laughs> off um, because they're not paying just yet. You know, I'm so glad that you made the point about making sure that people understand these are paid internships. You know, the days of free labor are over people, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, especially in this economy that we're living in right now. And, you know, and the interns deserve to be paid for their work. So when you look back at um, your experiences when you were first starting out, and I think you said you had eight internships. Oh, my goodness, that's incredible, um, which probably has a lot to do with why you were able to move so quickly once you decided what you were going to do. But what what was the one thing that you wish you knew then that you know now? You know, that there's a couple. One is that it's all going to work out and everything's going to be okay. So stop stressing out so much. <laughs> Maybe like have a little bit more fun. Um, <laughs> but um, really it's, it's that it's okay that the internship or that the experience isn't great because it's going to be the part of your path and your journey to learn what you really want to do. Uh, and I try to tell our professionals this all the time, that this is the time to explore and experiment. Now, the working world has changed more over the past decade where people move around in jobs 
frequently. And so there are a lot of opportunities to test things out. But an internship and those those key intern years are so amazing because you purposefully, I think, want to try things that you don't think you want to do so that you can have that experience and confirm that you don't really want to do it. Um, or the thing that you think you've always wanted to do, like you put on this pedestal as the dreamiest job, do everything you can to go try that, even if it's you know at the lowest level, just to get that experience and make sure that that's really what you're looking for. Um, so that's, that's advice that I give all the time, but that's something that I wish I had recognized because I had some not so great internships that I didn't love, but they were so helpful to recognize that I couldn't do it. One was I interned for uh, the Texas Association of Sexual Assault Victims. I was really passionate about it. I really wanted to support them and help. And I realized I cannot, I'm, I'm such a passionate person and what I do, I do wholeheartedly. I couldn't let it go at night. Um, it was too hard for me to like turn it off and to not get emotionally wrapped up with the, the clients and the work. And in addition to that experience, I realized that I move way too fast for nonprofits, even at the intern level, it would drive me crazy. You know how, you know, the, the slow moving pace and the board approvals and, and all that. I was like, oh no, I'm not, not cut out for this world. Um, I also always thought I wanted to work in fashion. Just, you know, it was a personal, um, interest of mine. And so when I first moved to New York, that, that is all I was interviewing for. And I got the, it's like fashion internships or, you know, either public relations at fashion designers or PR agencies that only focused in the fashion industry. And I was doing that while, simul while simultaneously interviewing other places where I found the company that I ended up working for, which was a real estate focused PR agency. And as I compared the cultures of what I always thought I wanted to do with something like real estate, that sounds so boring. Why would I ever want to work in real estate? I realized that the culture was so important to me. And again, I had had enough experiences to see what other cultures were like and realize that for me, the, the culture within the fashion industry was just not what, what I was looking for. Um, but in the real estate world, which actually is so important to the culture of New York, um, like, you know, no, real estate is such a huge part of, of New York City uh, that that actually gave me the same excitement and like sexiness that I was craving in fashion, but with a really awesome company culture and the pace that I was looking for. So as I think about um, kind of the job market today, and I know a lot of young people are, first of all, coming out of school with a lot of debt, and a lot of them are, are finding it very difficult to find jobs. Um, so what's your, your advice to them as in general, but then also as it relates to internships? I, I think the biggest thing is just about getting the experience, being willing to do things that you may not have um, originally envisioned for what you might be doing in your first job, going back to like, it's okay to try out a lot of different things, even if it's not exactly what you envision and understand that these are stepping stones to get you to where you, you think you, where you ultimately will go, even if it's not what you originally envisioned for yourself. Um, tr try as many things, talk to as many people, volunteer, go to events, they're back. You know, you can meet people in real life again, um, I'm based in Houston and downstairs right now at the Ion. It's Friday. It was Cup of Joey, which is this 
incredible networking event where hundreds of people come together, job seekers, startups, uh, recruiters. It's an awesome event that I highly recommend. And there's one of those a day throughout the city uh, and, and in every city. So highly recommend getting out there. People are excited to, to network again, and they want to help. They recognize that there's kind of this lost generation that's happening of people who graduated in 2020 and 2021, and hopefully the graduates of 2022 will be in a, in a better spot. Um, but they want to help. They want to help you find opportunities, but you just have to ask and you need to get your elevator pitch down really well. You need to understand within 20 seconds how to capture someone's attention, explain who you are and what you're looking for from that conversation so that they can quickly get engaged. It, it is something that we do with Ampersand, where we walk you through how to how to build your elevator pitch, uh, and then coach you through that and practice it with you and all of that. So, it, you know, it's something I, I recommend at any age, any job seeker, no matter if you're entry level or looking to get into the C-suite at this point, and, cha- and you're a career changer, you're a mom going back into the workforce, you're a vet, whatever. There's, um, it's really important to know how to position yourself to each person you're speaking to. Well, Allie, this has been such an enlightening conversation on so many different levels. And and your advice is something that I think everybody can take away something in terms of how they're going to move forward um, into the workforce. And you, my dear, are just a little dynamo. I mean, oh my gosh, I love your energy. I love how you're, you're taking all of your experience and how you're creating something for this generation, this new generation of, of young people entering the workforce. And I think you're doing amazing work. And I just wish only the best for you and Ampersand and can't wait to see what's next for you. I'm sure this is not the last company you're going to found. <laughs> Well, we'll see. But right now, very focused on on just making this successful and touching as many professionals and helping them on their journeys as possible. Well, that's what you're doing and you're doing it beautifully. Thank you so much, Allie. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for your time. I did too. Thank Thank you. you. Well, that was fun. I just love her energy. So I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Just like we always do, we will link to everything that Allie is involved with on our episode page at ourvoicesmatterpodcast.com. Thanks so much for giving her permission to speak and for having the courage to listen with an open mind. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Thanks again to our sponsor, BMW of West Houston. There's a special offer for members of the Our Voices Matter podcast community. Just click the link in the show notes, bmwwest.com.